Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kinda whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Ooga, booga, ooga. Okay. <laughs> We've got a great episode. Holden, that's a reference to a movie we watched this week. Was it? Yep. Oh. I'm glad it made an impression <laughs> on you. Uh, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of My Life as a Zucchini and Do the Right Thing. That one movie podcast. But first, Jimmy, we've got to do some toms. Let's do the toms. Tom's is a rapid fire game where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Tom's Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw being the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. I think I heard you say game. I did say game. I had it in my notes, and Logan was watching me type up the notes, and he's like, hey, you need to change that. I'm like, oops. Now I changed it, but it's too late for this podcast, so. Logan's on the wrong side of history here. <laughs> it's a game. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. I guess I might. You know have what? For, no, I think I, let's wait. Let's do twenty minutes of silence, and okay. then we'll just end. All right. Nope, that was a bad idea. Let's do the podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll keep going. Um, the audience demands it. Yeah, we can hear it. We can. He- they're outside our houses the trying silence, to get in. The silence is deafening. Oh, my gosh. Um, I might have coronavirus, Jimmy. Yeah, that's a bombadil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my my brother, uh, Xander, tested positive for, uh, for COVID-19, to be specific. Um, and he's been living at home. He tested positive on Saturday. He went in for the test on Wednesday. So that's quite a bit of time where we just didn't know that he had it. <laughs> Plus whatever time before then he also had. Um, so we, I went in and got tested. Me and the uh, rest of the family got tested on Saturday. Probably won't get results until Tuesday or Wednesday. So yeah, not great. <laughs> Can you describe the testing experience? Uh, so they shove Q-tips really way too far up your nose like way way <laughs> up there deeper than even i thought it was gonna as, be as in like if there was a brain in your head it, it was close it. to it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and it, they they hold it there for like 10 seconds and it's just like the most it's not like necessarily painful i guess but it's just the most uncomfortable thing i've maybe ever experienced because it just <laughs> it kind of it kind of burns a little bit and afterwards it's a little sore i don't know it kind of sucks so don't do it unless you absolutely think you need to <laughs> do your nostrils feel like clear your they did for a while afterwards they kind of they my sinuses felt really weird and almost leaky for a lot of yesterday after it happened and my parents say their noses still hurt a little bit but i think i'm fine now hmm. but that's the that's their old people noses so 
Well, good good news is, Holden, I'm nowhere near you. So yeah. <laughs> I'm okay for now. Yeah, I mean, if anything positive has come from this, I guess, it's that I can finally work on that Half-Life video <laughs> while I'm self-quarantining. Yeah, great. Okay, on to that. Bombadil. That, that is a Bombadil. Uh, Thomas, uh, two thumbs down, Bombadil. Carol Baskin, we, whatever it is. We can agree on that. <laughs> Uh, so on to the, on to the next bit of news, or I guess, well, the real, the real bits of news, you know, um, I have here, um, there's some, there's some new offers, uh, that are being offered for the entirety of June in, uh, kind of in conjunction with everything that's happening in regards to the riots and protests, um, and, and so in response to that, several film distribution companies have released, uh, uh, some of their uh, movies for free, kind of the ones that deal with black lives and a lot of the uh, protests in the past. Um, so these movies are available for, uh, free to rent. The ones that uh, the biggest ones that I noted were Just Mercy, which just came out last year, uh, had Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. And it was some it was some legal drama thing. I don't really I'm not entirely sure what it was about. I never watched it, uh, but maybe I will now because it's free. Um and then the other one is Selma, which I do really want to watch. Um, and that's, uh, I think, Ava DuVernay directed that. Um, and I can't remember. It's uh, it's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, film about the, uh, the Selma protests. Um, so, yeah, uh, both of those have received critical praise, and I might watch them. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, Criterion channel, as if I couldn't get more pretentious, Jimmy, having a letterboxed account, uh, the Criterion, <laughs> I, I saw that the Criterion channel is also having several of their films that focus on black lives, uh, free for streaming during this month. So what do you think of this, Jimmy? I think it's really neat. And I'm definitely going to check out some of these movies. I know my mom read the book, um, that Just Mercy is based on mm-hmm. and she's been wanting to to see the movie forever. So I'll probably watch that with her sometime about uh, Jamie Foxx being in prison mm-hmm. and uh, Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson working to get him out. Yep. Your celebrity crush, Brie Larson. Yeah, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then Selma. I've heard great things about Selma. I haven't seen it. I'd love to see it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we actually, uh, there were some things that came out about Selma this week that, uh, I didn't I didn't realize, but I guess it makes sense. Selma came out the year where like there was the big deal about Oscars like not nominating anyone who isn't white, essentially. That was like twenty sixteen or whenever that was. Um and uh it was around the time of Eric Garner's death, and so a lot of the uh uh uh, cast and crew like i think they went to the premiere wearing uh black lives matter shirts uh is what it was and so a lot of people claim that that's the reason why they uh didn't have any oscar chances because voters on it were very very old white men who just who didn't agree with it <laughs> so that part's a big bombadil if that's true um but i think the rest of this gets a broke off for me at least yeah, Broca for me too, Holden. What's up next? Awesome. Uh, the next bit of news um, is that California is very possible to allow films to resume production on June 12th. And that's later this week. That's very soon. We could um, start our best picture winning film. We could, well, <laughs> if we move to California. This is California. Yeah. It's, it's not South Dakota, unfortunately. Well, South Dakota used to be the Sunshine State, which is what 
California is now. So oh. essentially, it's I'm essentially, in California right now. It's the same state. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now it's the Mount Rushmore state, yeah. which is stupid. Mount Rushmore <laughs> is stupid. Changed my mind. Never been. I might go sometime. It's no, it's no corn palace, Holden. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> South um, Dakota humor. <laughs> Look it up, people. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, so uh, California, obviously that's only one state out of the 50, believe it or not. <laughs> what a statement I just made there. Um, but uh, so that's, I mean, but admittedly, California is a big place where people film. Uh, and I don't know what the policies in different countries are right now. Um, but still, that's big for uh, certain movies that are wanting to film there. Uh, the governor there, Gavin Newsom, just gave the OK last week uh, and it's still pending approval from health officials. So this may very well still get rejected. But as far as I know, as of now, it like it it might. Um and there's actually guidelines in place for like uh, filming during this time uh, that were created by the, this is a long name, but I put it all down because I liked the name, the Industry-Wide Labor Management Safety Committee Task Force. So that, <laughs> that, that, is, a, that is a mouthful. It, it sure is. Uh, and so they, they made a whole 22-page document for uh, procedures going forward in the near future. So... Yep, expect a lot of movies to take place underwater or in space, I hear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is which works out perfectly for Tom Cruise. Do you think Tom Cruise was actually on that SpaceX flight that took off? <laughs> he just he just hid in the suitcase. Yeah, he's a stowaway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Olden. I'm excited for movies to come back. Yeah. I'll give it a Brokaw. I'm giving it a Brokaw too. Maybe we'll finally get Uncharted. don't be ridiculous no no um so this is some uh maybe disappointing news if this comes out to be true uh jimmy but tenet might be delayed we knew it was coming it hasn't been official yet but collider has reported that tenet will likely be delayed at this point this would make sense uh, since the trailer that came out last week which we didn't review um the trailer that came out last week only had like a coming soon to theaters bit at the end instead of having the coming actual to theaters holding oh whatever coming to theaters um it didn't have like the actual date um and so that also makes sense just considering how like wishy-washy the situation is right now and everything but then that also brings into uh question i think i mentioned it last week or the week before um the will that previously mentioned domino effect take place where if tenant doesn't come out nothing else will come out <laughs> until like the end of the year well i suppose it's up to disney right because they got milan coming out the next week yeah i i, I would honestly, have to be up to them right yeah i honestly don't think it's all up to tenant because mulan will probably be more successful anyway <laughs> yeah and, oh. it, and for it doesn't make sense for tenant to come out well i guess the audiences may not overlap a ton yeah um, cause you're probably not taking your kids to tenant. No, <laughs> probably family. not. I would hope not. But if you are going to one movie and your whole family hasn't seen a movie in several months, you're probably going to go to the family movie, I yeah. suppose. Right. Yeah. I, to me, it doesn't, if I was, um, Warner brothers, I would delay tenant. tenant. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause that movie's going to make around a billion dollars in an in normal circumstances what is 
I think so. I mean, it's going to make at least 600 million, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it'll make that much. I don't know. No, I I don't know maybe. Cuz the only Nolan movie to ma- cross a billion is Dark Knight, right? Dark Knight Rises maybe. Yeah, at least the Dark Knight. Um mm-hmm. I just think people are very very excited about Tenet. So mm-hmm. more so than Dunkirk and Interstellar and yeah, the maybe. Dark Knight Rises. I from what I sense, but maybe that's just me being more excited for it and I think that's just that. you. I think pe- I just get a general sense overall that people are more excited about this movie than his three previous films. Jimmy, you call me pretentious for having a letterbox and then you're the one who's like, oh, I'm excited for the Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I can't wait for the next Jim Jarmusch movie to come out, followed yeah. by the next Ari Aster <laughs> feature. Yeah. I can't wait for the next Kurosawa movie to come out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holden. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give this uh, a Bergeron, I guess, because I want the movie to come out, but I understand why it wouldn't. And I don't want it to move. flop. Yeah, that's true. And if it comes out a week before Milan, I, I think just it's don't more think likely... That- that doesn't just seem like the smartest financial decision on behalf of Warner Brothers. I think it's more likely Mulan will come out because, I mean, from Disney's perspective, they'll that'll probably... Be a, that'll be a good look. Disney gets everybody coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> <going back. laughs> well, I, I mean, if if the situation has bettered by then, which for all we know it could, at least somewhat, I don't think... I mean, obviously it won't be perfect. If it's bettered by the end of July, then Disney will have, like they'll be able to be that first movie that comes out and which also is exactly what disney needs well i i'm not saying that that's what i want but i'm saying that's what i think they'll do do they expect milan to make a billion uh maybe yeah how much i mean aladdin made a billion so i guess <laughs> never saw it so i won't never will won't say anything about the quality of that film but i didn't hear great things <laughs> Yeah, the skits up Bergeron. What about you, Jimmy? I'll give it a Bergeron, too, because I want it to come out, but at the same time, I don't want it to flop, and just don't release it as the same time as Dune. Yep. <laughs> that would be very unfortunate for both films. Um, But especially for Dune. Especially for Dune. <laughs> and Denis Villeneuve's career. Yep. Um, So next up, Jimmy, Cinemark out of all the film companies, is actually the first ones to say that they're going to be reopening, like, nationwide. Um, and they say they're going to start reopening slowly uh, June 19th. Uh, they're going to bring in all the employees a little bit before then, but they're going to actually start showing some more classic movies, which is kind of what we had guessed and what a lot of people had theorized would happen. Um, they're going to start showing some classic movies to kind of start out, um, and then uh, newer releases will start showing in July. I assume that kind of entails, at least maybe throughout most of July, regardless of what happens with Tenet Mulan, uh, they'll probably start showing some of the movies, maybe like Trolls World Tour and... Maybe they'll bring back the hunt. I don't know. <laughs> bloodshot. <laughs> Give bloodshot. Yeah, we can go, go see bloodshot, Olden. Yeah. Well, well, Cinemark's not in Lincoln. That's the unfortunate thing. Oh well, you so, can drive. You can make the three-hour drive, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so Jimmy, at least maybe you'll have the opportunity. I don't know if you'll take it to go to a theater, but I will not. I so. might, man. I'm. I'm. I want to go to a movie in the theater, man. Uh, I do too. 
if depending you had, on what depending on what classic movies they show, that might be a cool experience. Yeah. Do you think you'd rather see a movie you haven't seen, or is there a specific movie that you'd like to see on the big screen that you haven't? I'd like to see the original Star Wars films on the big screen. Ooh, I think that's that's a good I, one, Holden. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's a. I think that's an obvious one for some, but honestly, I think Disney might chomp at that bit to try to do that too. And I wouldn't, I would not be opposed to that. Like seeing Empire Strikes Back on the big screen. Oh yeah, I'd be. Down. What about a what about like a two thousand one A Space Odyssey? Well, I've never seen it, so yeah, I'd see it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little intermission. Yep. Yeah. I do that. I don't know. I think there's a ton of movies I'd be willing to see in the I, theaters. I kind of want to. I mean, if I'm gonna, I haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia, but I, you know, there's no way see they're it. doing that. Why not? Like it's a the classic. movie. I mean, obviously it's great, but I, I think that's at this point too niche. At least for the modern generation, I think it's too niche to be put in re-release in theaters. Okay, Holden. I don't know. I I I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Impossible. maybe there's tons of maybe there's tons of you know sixteen year olds who love Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't judge me. All right. I'm gonna give this a a broca because maybe Marcus Theaters will get the word to do it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give it a broca because I want I want to see a movie and I want to get some movie theater popcorn. I don't. I don't like movie theater popcorn anymore. Oh my gosh! Hold I on. used to love it, but I like every time I get it, I'm just eating it for the sake of eating it, and then I get sick. <laughs> okay, here's here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to a movie together mm-hmm. after COVID. Sure. You're gonna buy the popcorn, and then you're just <laughs> gonna you get the extra butter on it, of course, and then you're just gonna give it to me, and I, being a great friend, will eat it all, so you don't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've I'm, just been eating too much West Mall Seven popcorn. That stuff's good, but then an hour later, it hits your gut, and you're like, "Oh no, that was I'm a not mistake." Sure I, I'm not sure I've ever had West Mall Seven popcorn. I'm talking about like actual movie. It's like popcorn. it's like so much butter that the popcorn gets soggy oh, <laughs> once God. you get towards the bottom of the bag. <laughs> once you, once you start once it starts getting soggy, you know, uh oh, I'm oh. at the point of no return. Oh God. This now is going to ruin the rest it. of my day. I actually just had popcorn earlier today, so thinking about it at all is just making me sick. I had too much of it earlier. Um, I just, you know what? I just don't think I like butter on popcorn. We don't need to spend any more time on this, but I, I think I'm I'm out of butter on popcorn now. Wow. I don't know. Wow. Uh, anyway. I didn't know we were go. dealing with one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I have a anyway, I'm giving and the- only the- like salted popcorn. <laughs> Theater reopening broke Holden yep. not liking butter popcorn. That's a that's a Thomas Carroll Baskin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, the Last of Us HBO series uh, got some news this week. Uh, the pilot episode, at least, and it said as, it says at least, so it's possible more will be directed by this person, but it will be directed by. Johan or Johan, I don't know. Uh, Johan Rennick. Um, he I would was, imagine it's Johan. Yeah, I don't know. I probably. <laughs> um, but he directed every episode of Chernobyl, which we already know that uh, I think Craig Mazin is the name of the guy who wrote Chernobyl. He's on board for this. Um, 
but he's also done some episodes of Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, Viking, some other some other network shows, you know. Um, yeah, what do you think of this, Jimmy? Sounds good to me, man. Yeah, seems like he's well. I mean, at least in the in regards to Chernobyl, he was a talented individual. I mean, I'm gonna watch this show either way, so. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> whoever they, they can be, like M Night Shyamalan, struck in the pilot. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on board, man. Whatever is going on, uh, but you know, given given that he has a proven track record, that makes me even more excited for a show that has a lot of talented people behind it and a great narrative already in place. Oh yeah. So I'm excited that they're two getting, thumbs up broke out. Same here. I'm glad they're getting going on this. HBO does not just not mess around sometimes, most of the time. Usually when they announce stuff, they get going on it right away. Um, but yeah. Uh, next up, Ari Aster. You know him? Heard of him? Yeah. This guy. Uh, Ari Aster, director of Midsommar, which we have previously reviewed, and Hereditary, which I have previously not liked. Um, <laughs> but now you do since you no, said previously. I, no, I still don't like him. <laughs> I still don't like it. Wow, you don't like Ari Aster. I have nothing wow. against Ari Aster. You just said you didn't like him, Olden. I'm telling him, and you know, unless of course he already listens. Yeah, I, he does. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Ari, he didn't mean it. Uh, yeah, I apologize, I st- Ari. I still He's probably like already it. switched off the podcast. Should change his name to Ari Alexa. Am I right? But you don't get it because it's a type of cinema camera. Okay. That was a very niche joke. Yep. Like Lawrence of Arabia. Um, But anyway, (laughs) uh, he says that his next film will be a nightmare comedy. I did see this. Yeah. Yeah. And that it will be four hours long. (laughs) I did see this. Yes. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So Midsommar, um, the theatrical cut was like two hours 20. It was a pretty long movie. Um, but then the extended cut was like a few minutes short of three hours. It was much longer. Um, so I don't know. What do you think of a four hour long movie? I mean, I don't think they'll release it in theaters at four hours, but. Um, I mean, if it's a great movie, then sure. If it's not a great movie, then no. But yeah. I think it'll be a solid movie. Four hours is a long time. <laughs> hey, uh, unless it's as good as the Schneider cut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it deserves to be. I don't know four how hours. it could be. How how could it be as good as the Snyder cut? <laughs> I'll it, give it a broke. Oh, why not? Yeah. Uh I'll give I it like, a broke. I too. like both of his feature films. I like one of his feature films. Right? He only has the two? Are we forgetting one? I don't think so. I think those are his two feature length ones at least. Okay. That's good. He probably has some short films no one's heard of. <laughs> <laughs> they all do, Holden. They yeah. all do. <laughs> um, uh, my last bit of news, and I, I, just so you know, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel for most of the news this week. Like this isn't something I would normally probably write down because it's not really that important. Um, but New Mutants, we do talk about New Mutants quite a bit, so you know, I guess it's kind of relevant. Um, Josh Boone, who's the director, still wants to make a trilogy of movies. That was his original plan uh, back when it was just part of uh, Fox's X-Men franchise um, with all the other films that entailed. Uh, He did want to make a trilogy of New Mutants films, and he says he still has it all planned out, and he hopes Disney will allow him to make it if the film is successful. To which I say, sorry, Boone, (laughs) it's not happening. Yeah, not going to happen. Sorry, man. 
even if the movie's good well i guess if the movie is good then i feel really bad for him because then like i like if he has this vision for three films then it's like well it kind of sucks he just kind of got screwed over by stuff he had no control over but i mean if the movie's not good then whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not gonna happen either way good or bad disney's not gonna put money into this sorry no because, I mean, even if it was good, it would just confuse audiences more about what's in the MCU and stuff. And this is not. So, I don't know. What do you give this, Jimmy? Bergeron, Olman. I'll give it a Bergeron, too. That's I think, it for... I think no, we need to mention that I've been saying Carol Baskin a couple times. Because Carol Baskin was awarded uh, Joe Exotic's former Tiger... Oh, uh, yeah. Zoo. That was this week. That's right. Yeah. So 2020, man, it keeps getting worse. <laughs> oh That's a Thomas Carol Baskin from Yeah. Me. I mean, if you listen to our review or if you've seen the show, you know why that's you know why that's a bombadil. A Carol Baskin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a Carol Baskin. <laughs> all right. That's, um, that's, yeah. a, that's all for me, Olden. I just thought I'd get that vital piece of news in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, there was really not much news this week. Um, also, there's no random movie this movie week. wise. <laughs> movie wise, that, that's head. right. That's that's true. That's true. Not not, not very movie important news. movie news this week. Yes, yes. Which um, for good reason, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, there will be no random segment this week either. As well, we have two movies we're reviewing, and Jimmy just did not get a random segment done. So. <laughs> Way to just throw that out there. We could have just not mentioned it and then people forget about it. I do want to say, though, I, I will be putting the donation links um, for uh, in order to support racial equality um, mm-hmm. and justice for all. I will be including those links in the description uh, below or description wherever you, your podcast host puts the description, I guess. Um, so those links will be available just as they were in last epi- in the last episode if you'd yeah. like to make a contribution to one of those um, organizations. Yeah, the protests are slowing down, but they're not stopping. So go out and, and join uh, if you definitely feel inclined. We definitely support it. And, uh, I mean, the donations are always welcome and stuff. Um, and, I mean, this is a fight that won't uh, that won't end until good stuff is done about it. So that, that was worded very poorly. But And make sure you're registered to vote. Yes, yes. Um, very that's important. A, that's a very great way to um, bring about change. So yep. make sure you do that. Um, educate yourself on all the candidates locally, uh, regionally, and nationally um, so you know who you want to vote for. Yep. Black Lives uh, Matter. There we yes, go. We said it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't our, think we said it last. I don't think we said that. So. <laughs> made sure to say yeah i think our our uh stance has been pretty clear it came through yeah um shall we go on review um life life as a zucchini yeah let's do life as a zucchini so all the non-spoilers of course to start a quick a quick 58 minute non-spoiler review <laughs> hey let's try to keep the review shorter than this hour and seven minute movie you gotta yeah, right. like that <laughs> i you know yeah okay i you know to start well no we'll go through a synopsis i guess um qu- 
quick non-spoiler synopsis. Uh, this film follows a young boy whose whose real name I can't remember. Um, it's some French e- name. E. Carter. Yeah, E. Carter. Uh, um, we should we should mention that this is a claymation. Oh yeah. Uh, French film. Yes. First, Did you French, watch the French Swiss film? French Swiss film, right? Yeah. Did you watch the dub or the sub? I watched the dub. Okay, I did too. Okay. Um, yeah, so it is a French film. Uh, on Netflix, uh, we're, I don't know if it's on any other streaming services, but it's on Netflix, and you can watch it in both the French and uh, French original language and also the uh, American dub. Um, English. <laughs> yeah, English, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it was done in America, so that's, <laughs> that's why I said it. Okay. But yes, the English dub. Um, but... Yeah, uh, from what I went online just to kind of see what people had said about both versions, and they kind of seemed like the English dub is good, the French dub, or the French original version is obviously good. Um, so I just went with the English one because I wanted I wanted to get the emotion of the movie from the voices and not just reading it. Um, um I just yeah. watched the dub because I didn't realize it was a foreign film at first. Oh, okay, <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, and then but the movie, Nick Offerman was in it. I was like, oh, yeah, and Ellen Page, who yeah. I don't remember which character she is. Yep, but. neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was obviously great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, so the movie follows Ikar, um, but he goes by the name of or he calls himself Zucchini, which um, is like because that's Courgette cor- or something in French. Yeah, I probably butchered like that. that. I didn't watch the I, French I don't version. We don't speak French, believe it or not. <laughs> We're not fluent French. Je m'appelle Jimmy. Um, there you go. But yeah, uh, it's it, he's a young boy uh, who kind of goes to an orphanage after something happens in his life, uh, moves to an orphanage, and it's kind of hit about him learning to uh, fit in there and uh, be with other people and kind of move on from his past and stuff. And it's, I mean, that's very simplified, but it is a quite a brisk 60 minutes. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a 60 minute film, so it's not going to feel super long if it's uh, uh, paced well. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Jimmy, what are your overall thoughts of this? Um, Okay. So first of all, first off, claymation is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, brilliantly done the lighting it's is so beautiful good. yeah it's and for you which is interesting for me it was i think it's a testament to the quality of this film and the story that i quit thinking about the production like 10 minutes in oh yeah no because the I, first 10 minutes i was like wow look at the lighting in the scene and the claymation and the designs and oh how did they what sort of things did they use to put that together and i wonder how they did this and the sound design's really good and then 10 minutes later i i completely forgot that i was watching a claymation movie yeah like i was just so i was focused more on the story and the characters and I think that is um, proof that this is a, a quality quality narrative story. Narrative yeah. story. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's very. I'm kind of with you because at first I was amazed by the animation. I you know when I think of claymation, I think many other people are kind of the same way. Where I think of like Ardman's animation studio, obviously did Wallace and Gromit, Shaun the Sheep kind of stuff. Um, obviously those are very talented people and I don't want to write them off when I, but I, uh, 
but when I think of them, then I'm just always surprised by these other studios that can do like just this very unique style that's very different from mm-hmm. like Ardman or even like Leica Studios, I guess. Um, but it's it has such a unique style. All the characters are adorable. They're so cute, especially the main character, Zucchini. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> and I like every single I, I told Jimmy, I won't get into why because it's a spoiler. But I was like tearing up five less than five minutes into this movie. It was so emotional for me. And part of it is because I'm watching this cute little kid who's just has like the biggest eyes ever. Just this tiny little mouth who's with a very like it's a very simple mouth, but very expressive. And just like he's just this sad little kid. And I felt so bad for him. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't I didn't tear up, Holden, which is surprising. I'm a movie crier, but Mm -hmm. um, not to say that this movie didn't stir up any emotions. It just I didn't tear up. Uh, sure but i was invested in the characters um yeah i was a little surprised it didn't cross that emotional threshold for me but i think it's still uh, a quality film overall uh Mm -hmm. and like you said some of the visual storytelling very simple but very effective especially in the beginning it definitely like it the animation makes it look like it was made kind of cheaply but it's not in like a bad way and i think the reason for that is just because like the environments are so sparse but i don't think that's like i think that's definitely an artistic choice and not one made by budget because it's like there's just like this big feeling of emptiness in this movie that i think is conveyed by the characters and their like their own personal stories and everything but also just by the environmental storytelling i think that was definitely an artistic choice that made it look look cheap but not in a bad way Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i really enjoyed the humor of this maybe even more than the the more sad emotional bits okay um there were a couple times where i laughed out loud like pretty hard um there's you know a lot of it's from a child's perspective yeah Um, so there it's there's a couple points where they're talking about sex and it's i think it's pretty funny (laughs) how they perceive (laughs) sex um, so, so, yeah. I have a couple quotes I have down uh, that we can talk about in spoilers. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, I just like the image quality itself. It's like I forget that with, since it's claymation, they can use like a full high resolution image. They don't have to rely on shooting 24 frames per second continuously. They can shoot one frame at a time. Yeah. Um, so Which it's just like they the have to cl- do. Yeah. I mean, they have to. The clarity of the images. So it's so sharp and pristine. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching I, it on a high resolution display humor, makes it really pop. The humor actually didn't always work for me, but I think part of that is just like cultural differences. And it was, I mentioned last week when I watched Kung Fu Hustle um, that it just seemed like some of the humor to me was like very French and I didn't get it cause I wasn't French or I don't like understand French culture that well. Um, maybe I'm just very in tune with the French people. Maybe you the are humor you're really a history, you're a history teacher. I don't know. Maybe you just don't understand sex very well. <laughs> <laughs> that all went over my head. I don't even know what part you're talking about in the movie. Oh no. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, no, I do agree with you, though. There are some parts that I, I found quite funny. 
And then we should also mention, before we get done with non-spoilers here, this was nominated for the Best Animated Feature in 2017 mm-hmm. at the Oscars. I don't know if we had mentioned that. But it lost to Zootopia, and I think that is not <laughs> right. <laughs> I think this is better than Zootopia. Yeah, I, I've only seen Zootopia once, so... I have two, I guess, but I I never I was never really that into it. I just I remember holding Zootopia that the best part of the movie is the sloth DMV scene and that was the teaser trailer before The Force Awakens. And nice. it was hilarious. They had like a breaking bad reference in the movie too. I don't really remember exactly what it was, but I remember there was a big deal about that. Um Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the soundtrack. Was the soundtrack good? Oh, no. There, it was weird because there were some scenes where there was, like, pop music playing, but it was in French. <laughs> yeah. And, I like, mean, you kind of forget it's a French film, and then, whoa, French music. Yeah. Which, and I it mean, fits, it, yeah. It, yeah, it fits. It probably would have fit more if I was watching, like, the original language uh, of the film, but it was it was a little jarring. But, I mean, not bad music. I think the soundtrack itself is pretty good, although I yeah, can't really I, it wasn't a standout it. to me, but no. um, I didn't I didn't remember it being obnoxious or anything. So it complemented Nick, the film. Yeah, Nick Offerman's character is like the best character in the movie. Yeah, uh, Nick Offerman is great. His voice I think suits his character very well. I liked seeing him on screen, and uh, mm. I think he added some good humor. Some good emotional depth um, and a lot of humanity to this film. Yep. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, every scene his character was in, and it's pretty much every scene like, of the movie. Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing that like he it was pretty much just doing his Ron. Like, I mean, using his voice like he does for Ron Swanson, but it sounded it didn't sound like Ron Swanson really. Like, that's not what I was hearing. It was like his Ron Swanson parent voice to april ludgate a little bit i guess yeah yeah in the best way you know like as a compliment but that's how i mean that's what i was compared to yeah yeah uh anything else to add holden before we get into our ratings here and then into spoilers uh no i don't think so let's get into our rating i guess one more thing here is that uh very effective use of color um, very intentional, deliberate uses of color throughout this film. I think mm-hmm. I would catch on way more um, about some of those subtleties, especially when it comes to the use of color uh, upon a second viewing. But I would yeah. just like to throw that in there. I had that I had that as a note written here. But uh, now, rating Holden, what are you going to give this film? I'll give this... I'll give it a 9 out of 10. That's right where I am, too. 9 out of 10, yeah, like I, I said... I really enjoyed it. I think the production's great. It was it for I didn't quite emotionally connect with it as much as I thought I was going to. Um but I mean it I did emotionally connect with it at a level just below that. Yep. I uh I mean this movie is pretty great from all aspects. I just have like a small a few small grievances here and there that really don't amount to a whole lot and that's why it's uh, that's why I'm still at a 9 out of 10. I would um, say so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's I mean you can definitely have far worse experiences in 60 minutes than this film. <laughs> I would highly recommend it uh if you've got I mean if you got the time. It's not much time. So 
yeah, like the, uh, this kind of some of those complex themes explored through um, childhood or child perspectives, perspectives yeah. of children. There you go. Yeah. On to spoilers, Holden. On to spoilers. So you didn't remember Ooga Booga Ooga, huh? Oh, I I probably would when you mention it. What was it? What part was it? <laughs> they just start chanting it at the end of random scenes. They just start Ooga Booga Ooga. Ooga yeah, well, ooga, it, ooga. It, okay. It's like <laughs> maybe that, that's part of one of the probably one of the things I was thinking. It's just like you know, it is a French movie, and then watching it with the English dub, you just forget it is a French movie, except for certain things like that. Like maybe that's a thing French kids do. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe that's something. Uh, I think that's just, just yeah. like kids being kids. It could be. Yeah. I have a couple quotes that I think I'd like to share. One sure. is somewhat funny but also heartbreaking uh, explaining like the chick on the back of his kite uh zucchini oh, says yeah, yeah, my yeah. my mom always said that my dad liked chicks mm-hmm. and so he doesn't understand that that's like women which i'm surprised translated to english yeah, yeah. unless they altered it for it. i wouldn't imagine that would have been so much work i would think that but is weird. I guess it, I I guess it does translate. Mm-hmm. I, in regards to that, so I was talking about me getting emotional at the beginning of the movie. Like that opening scene where Zucchini is in his house and then he's like building the pyramid out of beer cans. Mm-hmm. I was like about to cry. <laughs> I'm like, this is so sad and he's so sweet. You can tell right from the beginning that he's so sweet and he like, all he wants to do is like, be with his mom and please his mom and stuff and like and his i mean his mom doesn't really she's a drunk and alcoholic essentially um and she just feels so bad for him and then she dies <laughs> like oh my god i was yeah i was about to lose it yeah um other quotes <laughs> i have yours when they're kissing uh the teacher and one of the the helpers at the or caretakers at the orphanage and the kids are like oh i've heard of this this is called foreplay oh yeah and then (laughs) when they get in the car and they ask him are you sure your willy is going to be okay because they think (laughs) the willy explodes oh yeah um i thought most of the sex jokes were like the funniest parts i like how they they named the when when she got pregnant the caretaker they named the fetus Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting how they ate French fries with a fork and French fries constituted a whole meal. Yeah. Is that like an actual thing? I have no idea. Or if that right. was just easy to animate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering because I was like, I mean, this is supposed to be like a good orphanage. I mean, not like a super high end one, but like they're it's not like they're abusive or anything like they're good people. So it just seemed weird to me that they would only be feeding them French fries. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, just Nick Offerman character Raymond getting pelted by the water balloons laughed pretty much every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> 
Uh, Holden, anything else to add here? Um, let me think. I, you know, I thought the relation, the main relationship between um, Zucchini and I don't remember what her name Camille. is. Camille. Camille. Yeah, we I thought that was really Camille. sweet. It was. And it's interesting because I don't think Camille changes all that much through the film. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, I mean, maybe she doesn't need to because it's mostly about zucchini. Yeah. Um, especially since it's only a 60-minute film. Um, but, yeah, she doesn't really change uh, too much. The person much. who changes the most maybe is Simon. Yeah. The bully figure kind yeah. of turned to brother. He was weird. Like, because, I mean, at first, obviously, he's mean and everything. Um but I mean, then Zucchini kind of gets to know him, but he doesn't like stop being a bully. <laughs> like he's no. still like he's still kind of a jerk. He's a little bit nicer to Zucchini, but he's still very much putting up a sort of wall of emotion and like kind of doing his bully things, which I think is realistic because mm-hmm. he's still got all that baggage. Yeah, um, kind of going off the nitpicky things you were saying. I would have liked to see them have a more complicated plan or something to take out the aunt yeah of of camille because it, it ended up being pretty simple and not many people were involved yeah just camille and simon yeah, i would have liked really to have easy. the whole each member of the orphanage kind of play their own part yeah set a scooby-doo trap yeah scooby-doo <laughs> trap and it, it all happened very quickly i thought not it, was, ba- it was not bad. It just yeah. would have been more satisfying had yeah. each of them played a part. I agree because I th- there's there's a few of the kids that don't get enough play. I think like and I mean obviously once again sixty minute film so you can only do so much. Um, but like there's a few of the kids that I didn't fully get. I guess even though they had like all of their backstories briefly explained, like the one girl who's like very the one like quiet girl i guess mm-hmm. um she was like i didn't fully understand why she was the way she was um and maybe i just maybe that's just a connection i didn't make in the movie i don't know but like most of the ki- uh, some of the kids were just kind of that way i would have maybe liked them be involved a little bit more so we could get to know them well i mean simon does share all their backstories but yeah, it was kind well, that's of a little bit of an exposition dump. And I, and like you said, I don't remember all the stories off the top yeah. of my head. Well, and I, I, I said I, I appreciate that, but I don't know. They could have just been involved more. And maybe that would have foregone the need for that exposition dump. Yeah. Um, but like like we have both been saying, I, I don't think these are huge faults no. of the film. Uh, that just could have been... Uh, could have a, a few more things could have added to the experience. Yeah, could have made it a maybe a ten out of ten. Hmm, maybe indeed. That didn't make um. any sense. <laughs> uh, anything else to add, Holden? Uh, that's what I'm trying to think. I don't know. I think it's just very good, very good movie. Quite liked it. Glad that it was recommended to us. Hey, maybe they'll make a sequel after you. Life as a couch potato. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, got me good, Jimmy. Zinger. (laughs) We've got all of this great material that they can base it off of, too. The podcast. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dig through the archives. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's good for my life as a zucchini. We can get on to our next review. All right, Holden. Let's do the right thing. <laughs> next up. Do the right thing. A Spike Lee joint. Yep. A Spike Lee joint from 1989. Yeah. Believe it or not. I was surprised. Because I thought this was either his first or second film. And I once I once I learned it wasn't his first, that didn't surprise me. But I I only thought there was maybe at most one movie before this. But what is this? Third, it's third his full third movie. film. Yeah. And his starring, first two movies, I think, are uh, what? I was going to say starring Spike Lee himself. Yeah, starring Spike Lee himself. Which he which looks I, super young. He does. Even <laughs> does though not I looked look at, older than 30. He's like 32 or 31. When yeah, he he's like, he's supposed to, or he's, his actual age is 30 some. He looks, he's so small in this movie. Yeah, he. I would have thought he was like 24. Yeah, I would have too. And Spike Lee in his early movies, um, definitely his first three or i don't know beyond that maybe four he starred in all of them um whether or not he was the main character i don't think he was the main character of his first film i don't know i once again we've mentioned before neither of us are super well versed on spike lee films which is why we wanted to do this i didn't even recognize him at first i'm gonna be honest oh i i guess i only did because i knew he was in the movie i didn't know i didn't really know who was in this movie at all and there it there's quite a few notable people there's some surprising people in this film some some people who are playing against uh type uh that they play in other films today yeah i okay so i guess a brief synopsis this it's hard to give this film a synopsis because it doesn't have that much of a plot i Uh, the way i would describe it is that it's a slice of life that's that's the words i was gonna use jimmy you should have just let me go well i'd like it's a slice of life and a lot of it revolves around the pizzeria which Mm -hmm. is like slice (laughs) of pizza slice of life well get it holding pretty clever yeah i get it it's Uh, it's very much like thematically well i mean we'll get into it and probably this part more in spoilers but it's thematically like what the black community could go through on any given day yeah but kind of just convinced condensed into one day like and i think there is a very large tonal shift in the movie and i think that's very much intentional to go alongside that that idea yeah um yeah there's a bunch of characters uh, in this film, there's a few main ones. Uh, Spike Lee's character, Mookie, being one of them. Uh, but this film captures like this area in New York. Is it Harlem? I can't That's, remember. I, I can't remember. Look it up. I thought, it, you know, I was thinking it was Harlem. You can keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Bro- is it Brooklyn? They, they mentioned Brooklyn a lot, but I thought they were mentioning it like as if they weren't there currently. I would think it's Harlem. Oh, it is Brooklyn. It, it's Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Um, but basically, you have four main demographics. You have the black community, mm-hmm. um, which is the predominant community. Yes. Then you have a small section of uh, Puerto Ricans or people from have Puerto Rican uh, um, roots. Um, so them, 
Uh, then the you Koreans. have uh, the Koreans, which is yeah. like one family, I think, pretty much. Mostly, yeah. Who has a shop. I don't remember if there are any more in the film. And then you have Italians, Americans who don't live there, but they have a business, a pizzeria yeah. there. And it's kind of how those groups intermingle, clash. Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting uh, racial themes that can be taken from this movie. And, oh, and yeah. Spike Lee, I think, has some very interesting things to say. And then other things that I can't quite tell what he's saying or if he's not taking a clear stance on certain things. A lot of it is very interesting. Yeah. I think this movie is incredibly just excellent. I I think there's so much to I kind of this movie. The more layers you peel, peel back of this film, I think the more you start to understand its brilliance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I, and I think if you... I, f- I feel like someone could watch this at least the first hour and a half and be kind of like, well, what's the point a little yeah. bit? Um, and I think they'd be missing the missing the point. Yeah. But then the last half hour is like, oh, man, <laughs> things got I, things get real. I almost wish I had gone in kind of with that mentality, maybe having watched it before everything that's happening or like not not knowing what's happening in the world right now or something, because it like. I went in like having heard this. This has a lot of connections to like a lot of connections you could draw to what's happening right now. Oh, I did not. I did not know that. Oh, okay. So I like I was looking for those things kind of throughout the movie. And obviously, I mean, we'll get into it in spoilers when it gets really real. But like, I I guess I was trying to pick up on those kind of things throughout the film, even when it wasn't necessarily that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's hard to kind of say a lot of, about this film without getting into the spoilers. So we can, well, we can talk about the characters a little bit. Um, we can talk about, you know, Mookie. It's, it's a guy. It's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Sam, Samuel Jackson is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or both, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Who plays Gustavo Fring is in this movie playing someone who is not like Gus Fring at all. Yeah, literally like the exact opposite. <laughs> and I like it took me I could not tell if that was him for cool. Like I I thought that was him, but I like could not tell. And that was and I would have no idea had I, had I not seen the credits. I saw him in the yeah, I saw him in the opening credits and so I didn't like I did the first scene that he was in, maybe first two scenes he was in, I like didn't even put two and two together. And then like after that, I was like, wait, he's supposed to be in this movie. Where is he? And then I started looking and realized it was this character. I had just been watching this whole time. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw him in the opening credits. I'm like, Whoa, Giancarlo Esposito's in this. And then his character bugging out comes on. I'm like, is that him? Like I couldn't tell yeah. for a couple scenes, but I was like, I think that's him, but I'm not sure. Cause that's, <laughs> a very sharp contrast yeah from the kind of very uh white if you will gus fring mm-hmm. who's the polished businessman dresses com- completely conforms into that white culture um 
uh, and he, he uses that as his platform for being a drug lord mastermind in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah. He's not that in uh, in this movie, which is I think is refreshing and it shows his range. Yeah, it does. It's kind of a shame he hasn't done more high-profile high stuff, I guess, like especially in between these two things because I don't know what else he's... Maybe I'm just not familiar with this filmography. I don't know. Don't listen to me. Another person um, I was surprised that was in this movie is John Turturro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did not know he was in this film. Uh, he plays an interesting character. I think his name is Pino. Yeah, he's Something? Pino. Pino? The other one's Vito. Um, Vito. Yeah, Pino. Yeah, John Turturro. And I, I, I was kind of looking up um, after this, like his other films. For a while, Spike Lee kind of had almost like a, a uh, Tarantino situation going on where he had like a set some like set actors that he would put in almost every film. And John Turturro is actually one of those. He's in a lot of Spike Lee of the older Spike Lee films. Um, Rosie Perez, who we just saw in birds of prey. She's in it. Oh yeah. Um, what's his name from uh, bad boys? Oh yeah. Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Yeah. He's in it. He does not really have a very big part. No, he doesn't. I was, I didn't know he was in it. That surprised me. Um, uh, I think we said Samuel Jackson's in it as yep. a radio host, kind of in the background. That was before he made it big. I was going to say, because otherwise he would have been way more featured in the credits. Because is yeah, he even in like, the opening credits? His name? I don't think I don't he think is. so. Well, yeah, because like, I mean, you could argue the biggest year for him was like when Jurassic Park and, uh, and Pulp Fiction came out. Because that was within the same year, right? Uh, I think Pulp Fiction was one year later. Okay. Well, anyway, that that time was when Samuel L. Jackson became well known, and so the fact that this was yeah, a this few would have been years four, before, yeah, that. four years earlier. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, a great ensemble cast. Uh, the the I forget the actor's name who played Sal. Oh yeah, Danny Aiello. I don't know how to say. I exactly. could not believe he's not really in anything else. Yeah, he's great. He is like Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, it was, was a Robert like, De Niro role. Well, he's actually, wait, is it him? He's in Godfather Part 2. Is he? Because I was looking at his filmography and I'm like, how did this guy not really get any other gigs? He's fantastic. Oh, he's not even on the main cast list, so he's probably a small role in Godfather. But... He is, yeah, I don't know. I agree. I was he's, like, he's I, I was like, he's got to be in one of those other mobster movies. He, and he's, he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie too. He is, I think, the standout character in this movie for me. Uh, I think, I think, performance wise and just writing wise, yeah, like he has the most depth, probably. Like a lot of the other characters. I mean, pretty much all the characters in this film are great. But I think a lot of them are more he he has the most like change and like depth to his character. And I think like, a, there's lot definitely of, a, a lot uh, of the themes kind of stem out from yeah. his character. And, you know, I I hate to say that in this movie about black culture that maybe the best character is this white guy. But I think I don't know. It's it's just like. I don't know. Maybe Spike Lee. It almost seems like Spike Lee wanted him to be the most interesting character. I don't well, know. Maybe I think I think there's so much Spike Lee is saying through his character mm-hmm. that you're 
that is why. And he acts it so brilliantly in the role. Yeah. And like I said, this there's not a miscast in this movie. No, I think no, it's everyone's from, great. Um, Every, I just I mean, think the writing is, is the writing for, for the writing for his character just is it, it's it's so layered and so nuanced mm-hmm. that to me, if this movie doesn't have the Sal character, I don't. I think there's still things to gain from it, but it's not. It doesn't have that extra layer of depth, that extra layer of complexity and ambiguity to a lot of these racial undertones. That actor actually just died in December 12th. Yeah, I did see that. I had looked him up too. Yeah. Um, He was fantastic. I cannot believe he didn't have other big gigs because like it was a very Robert De Niro-esque performance. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot, as we've mentioned, we've mentioned all these other big names. So many other people went on to big things um, from this film. So just kind of surprised he's not one of them. Uh, I, I will also say I really liked Giancarlo Esposito in his role yeah. as bugging out. I thought he was an interesting interesting character. And I forget the actor's name who played uh, Radio Rahim. Also liked him. He's got this little short monologue that I thought was fantastic. He's the guy. He's J. Jonah Jameson's like right-hand man in the original Spider-Man trilogy. No way. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I and I didn't know that until I was just looking at the cast list now. But then I saw he's Robbie Robertson, I think is the is the character's name. But yeah, there's a lot of alliteration happening at the uh, Daily <laughs> in the Marvel <laughs> Marvel world. Holden, imagine being named Robert Robertson. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> the music in this movie is great. Yeah, it's so good. A lot I mean, of it's, smooth sax playing. Oh yeah, it's, um, I mean you got you got the mix of you've got like jazz um, makes up probably about half the soundtrack, but then a lot of the standout parts are more kind of hip hop times uh, uh, or type of stuff, which with like "Fight the Power" being a really big reoccurring song in the film, um, which I actually quite like that song. <laughs> I didn't really know it before this movie, so I got to give really? this movie credit for that. Yeah. Um, um, I gotta, I gotta find the Aussie. I would be remiss if I did not mention Aussie Davis as the mayor. Oh a yeah, fantastic character. Oh, added a lot I have of good things. I have things to say about that in spoilers. I think um, he's another standout. Um, or actually, you know what? I'll say because I don't think it's necessarily too spoilery. I think the mayor is like. Let me see exactly what I wrote down about it. Um. It's Demir to me was almost like an embodiment of how people see the black community in the U.S. Just by the way that like people were treating him because he is this he's like this old dude who's like who's very well-meaning in a lot of ways. But like, you know, he gives the flowers to like the the woman and then she's like, oh, you're mother sister as Ruby D as mother sister. She's another great performance for me. Yes. Uh, but then she's just like, oh, you old drunk, uh, you no good, good for nothing, you know. Um, and then he at one point saves a kid. That's not a huge spoiler, but he saves a kid from getting hit by a car. And he's like, and they're very, at first the the mother is even very antagonistic towards him, even though he, you know, did this great thing. And to me, it's just like everyone treats him like this old drunk, good for nothing character. Um 
but like you know he's actually this good guy that we get to know throughout the movie yeah that's I, just kind of the way i interpreted it yeah i think Damare and sal of sal's famous pizzeria or pizzeria as they say mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the two most imp- uh interesting characters in my opinion um yeah just below that i would put bugging out and uh radio rahim and we'll have to talk about Mookie because Mookie is a confusing character to me. And I, I'm, he's the protagonist of this film. And I'm not exactly sure what Spike Lee was saying through his character. I think so I know. I think I'd I like know. to hear yeah. what you would you have to say about that. Yeah. Um, um, anything else you kind of want to make sure you mention here before we go into into spoilers and give our ratings? fun uses of dutch angles in this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) dutch angles are something that was very overused later in the 90s and early 2000s but used properly here there Um, yeah there's some other very stylistic creative um storytelling um, yeah there's one scene that i absolutely there's one scene that i love and i mean i'm sure you loved it too we can talk about it in spoilers um because i'm sure it's a scene I, I'm not super familiar with what, you know, film community or like even just fans of this film say about this film. Um, but I'm sure it's one that's talked about and we'll, we'll get to that in spoilers. Uh, what were you going to say though, Jimmy? I can't, uh, there's one scene where, <laughs> uh, no, uh, never mind. I'll just get, we'll just talk about it in spoilers. Okay. Uh, I think that's about it for me, though. We can. Uh, there's a lot I want to talk about in spoilers, so let's just do that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a nine and a half out of ten, Holden. I think I'll give it a ten. Ten. I for really me, don't. I think things got a little slow at okay. maybe the end of the first. I felt like things could have moved along a little, a little bit faster. Sure. In some areas, but I think, like I said, there's so many things to peel back um and i think this is there's it's just fascinating in a lot of a lot of regards so i i can't wait to talk about in spoilers this i mean you guys if you have not seen this movie you absolutely should especially during this time there's no better uh, time to watch it yeah it's like it is mind-boggling what they do in this movie and how it reflects on what's happening now. Like I was surprised and I went in knowing that it had to do with stuff now, like, but I was it, like, if this came out today, you'd be like Spike Lee. That's a little on the nose. Yeah. That's how but, relevant it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so absolutely go see it or even don't go see it. Just see it in your house. It's <laughs> but, unfortunately it's not available on any streaming services right now, nor is it free, but uh, I, I, highly recommend renting it for the $4 price of renting it in HD. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. All right. Um, Well, I, and I don't know if the four minute opening sequence was (laughs) necessary. Four minutes and 45 seconds or whatever. I don't mind that. That was whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love the eighties, man. That's like the, uh, king of comedy. Yeah. With the, with the freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. Except at least there's some good dance in here. I was like, she's getting in a good workout. <laughs> hey, that was another movie I gave a 10 out of 10, I think. Maybe minor made- spoilers for the <laughs> opening <laughs> sequence, which is just dancing <laughs> to this movie. 
Uh, yeah, let's get into spoilers, though. All right. So this movie's got a lot in it, Jimmy. Got a lot to unpack here. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about we'll try to do it justice. Mookie. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear what your your thoughts on Mookie. I think Mookie, I think, is maybe... Uh, forgive my terminology because I don't know like exactly what the terms are and I, I you know it's yeah whatever but I think Mookie is like kind of the embodiment of like maybe the black community that has just kind of given up on dealing with racism because every other character in this movie almost is like dealing with it in some regard and Mookie's character throughout the movie is just kind of ignoring it and trying to push it down like literally That's and true. figuratively. I think that um, is interesting. Yeah. And, and like you you kind of see that build to a head when he's the one who kind of instigates the riots and like er, the at least the attack on Sal's pizzeria at the end of the movie. But even then, like, he's very just nuanced about it. That's kind of what I thought. It is interesting because, I mean, you look at Mookie. He's not a great employee. No. He's not a great boyfriend. No. (laughs) He's definitely not a good dad. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, and Sal kind of s- s- gives him the benefit of the doubt yeah so many times and Mookie kind of repays him by breaking his window inciting not inciting this but kind of encouraging this mm-hmm. this riot to burn down his his business that he's had for 25 years that he built with his own hands and yeah. then afterwards he goes and demands his money yeah. So it's like, and this is the protagonist of the movie, played yeah. by Spike Lee himself. And to me, it's like, okay, what are you, what are you, exactly are you saying? I think that is an interesting take. I I would want to know more about. I I should have done some more research. I just didn't have time between last night when I watched this film and now. A lot of things. Uh, been busy with a lot of things between now and then, but. Or then and now, but um, I'd be interesting interested to hear what Spike Lee has um, himself to say about uh, the Mookie character. Uh, like I said, Sal is the character that really I think expresses a lot of uh, what uh, I interpreted from this movie as what Spike Lee is saying mm-hmm. pretty clearly, and that here you have a character this white man mm-hmm. who kind of unlike uh pino who is just clearly a racist yeah right john Turturro's character clearly a racist um he's just like why do you let these black people do you know why don't we just sell and go somewhere else um mm-hmm. dealing with all these you know n-words and all that, and just clearly a racist, like no mm-hmm. question about it. Then you have Sal, who at times stands up for black people, uh, especially those in his community, 
gives Mookie the benefit of the doubt so many times, despite yeah. his lack of work ethic. But then, at the same time, when things hit the fan, he uses, he calls them the N-word. Mm-hmm. He does not accept uh, black culture. And he yeah. refused, and he he, ref, he clearly sees Italian culture as superior in mm-hmm. the Wall of Fame. Yeah, uh, with the pictures, and yeah. it's like, and I think that just strikes a chord for me because it's like that is the racist, a lot of the racism that we deal with today. Like, of course, we have the Pinos, the clear white supremacists. Yeah, but racist. Then we have, but then we have you, the, the people who are like the people who are um, covering it up. I well, like maybe not even necessarily covering it up, but they're like they're trying to, or at least on the surface, they're trying to treat each community with respect and at least appear like they're doing so. But then they have their own biases that maybe maybe they're not even aware they. And have. I don't, I don't think he even really is aware of it. No. Because he seems like for the most for most of the movie to be at least a very well-meaning individual. Um, he does. He even reopens the shop when the night is done for the for those people. He's like, oh, they and I can't leave. I mean, these guys, they grew up on my food. He kind of yeah. sees them as it's it kind of goes back to a little bit of that paternal sort of, you know, the, the slavery, how the plantation owners kind of viewed themselves paternally to the slaves which is kind of messed up, which is definitely messed up. I mean, um, I wouldn't say it's that messed up, that messed up. It's the slave owners seeing themselves paternally. No, no, like that, like comparing Sal's pizzeria to a plantation. No, it's not. But it's like he sees himself as a father-like figure to the yeah. the black kids in this community. I guess, yeah. Um, which I mean, you can't. You can't say that without drawing those comparisons, I think. And I think Spike Lee wants you to draw those comparisons. Yeah, that's fair. And seeing that there's this well-intentioned individual who even stands up for the black community at times who still has race, who has these racial te- or racist tendencies. Um, and that racism is a spectrum. It is not this dichotomy yeah. that you either are racist or you're not. You're on the spectrum Black people are on the spectrum too, believe it mm-hmm. or not. You see, and I think the gr- one of the great is. scenes is when those that group of younger uh, black kind of 20-ish year olds that look like, how they were just all over the mayor, the mayor, for, oh, yeah. uh, for like, you're a drunk. And he's like, you don't know my pain. You don't know what it's like to have four children or five children well, and that's, needing that's ex- bread and calling it, and you're a drunk. And he's like, you don't know my pain. He's like, well, that's, I don't because I would just get a job if I was in that situation. That that well, that's exactly why I think Demayer is that character that I described because mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's saying that both from a you know maybe white or how like other communities see the black community, but also just within the black community itself, how those stereotypes are still embedded within our culture as a whole, and so even even people within that community will still see it and have those yeah, stereotypes and, embedded. And um, another scene that complements that idea is the one with the three older men 
sitting mm-hmm. on the sidewalk and they talk about and how uh can't remember which one is like I would just I'd like cry tears of joy the day I see a black business open up in this black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you're not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. He's not going to do anything about it. And it's like, who's to blame there? Is it the Koreans' fault for coming in and seizing the opportunity that we didn't take? True. Um, Is it the Italians' fault? Is it our fault? Is it a little bit of everything? And I think it's also interesting that you have the racism between the the black people and the uh the puerto rican people and the korean people oh yeah and the italian like they're all racist towards each other it's this spectrum Mm -hmm. and 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 i think that the sal character completely settles and destroys that idea that racism is a dichotomy you either are you aren't no you're not you're on the spectrum um it's just how racist are you And I think that I think the complexity of the racism in this movie just makes it more interesting because it could be so easily easy for Spike Lee to just be like, oh, you know, white people have stereotypes of black people or uh, stereotypes of another um, community or somewhere in between there. They could just focus on one aspect of it. But the fact that they have all these different communities present in the movie, they're able to he's able to explore these this spectrum between and see how each of them interact with each other. And that just made, that's one of the reasons why the movie is so great. I think so. And I, while I would say that I, I think I'd be more apt to rewatch Black Klansman uh, because it's maybe a more entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is the better film just yeah. in terms of, I mean, obviously it is aged <laughs> incredibly well. Very well. It is maintained its relevancy quite tragically honestly mm-hmm. that it remains relevant um and i think it hammers home the meaning of black clansmen too that yeah. is, that these racist these racist things are not of the past they no. are very much of today um let's talk about that last scene huh or that last that last act. sequence yeah um so yeah went into this movie knowing that it was going to have connections or at least some parallels to what's happening but did not realize it was going to be like like the exact same thing pretty close obviously not the i don't want to simplify what's happened in real life with george floyd and and all the other victims and everything but it is very very close eerily eerily similar yeah to what has transpired in the united states over the last two weeks yes um Um, I mean, down to the, the suffocation, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, just it was I mean, very difficult to watch this. Yeah, because I just, mean, I just like, oh, it, this was very uncomfortable, and to know that it was so real, to, uh, that mm-hmm. just hit home so hard. It's yeah, I mean, it's because you see the escalation of the events at the end of this movie, and I almost wonder if it's like. Maybe this movie is even better now because I, you know, if I had seen this being less informed than I am now, and I'm not going to claim that I'm like super well informed more than anyone else or anything, but if I had seen this and had been less informed maybe in the past when this movie had first come out or something, um, I would have maybe seen the riots at the end of the movie as like way too quick of an escalation and like, man, this was a lot or like, 
the the fact that this all happened in this short amount of time but the fact of the matter is is it's happened in real life and it very much i mean the anger is justified um for what happens like with the uh, i guess it's not not so much like riots in this movie but like uh, attacking the um the shop and you know just all in the police cars and whatnot yeah, I mean, it's just like <laughs> everything about this movie is just so on the nose for Ugh. what is happening today. Like and the, even, the entire the entire escalation of that sequence. Yeah, it's and like you even have the communities coming together at the end, like these communities who had clashed with each other uh, throughout the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, you have the you have the Koreans, the Puerto Ricans, the uh, the black community obviously are all very angry with each other. And even you have the, the black community is about to attack the, the Korean store uh, just because they're kind of all riled up and angry. Um, but then they, you know, realize they're kind of all in this together and they're all angry together. Um, and I think that's, you know, very similar to how things are happening now, too. My question for you, Holden, is do you think... Spike Lee is condemning this violence or condoning it? I don't think he's condoning it. And I know, well, so I know at the end of the movie, after, you know, before the credits roll, you have those two statements by Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, which are very conflicting statements. Like, they're, I mean, they're great quotes and everything, obviously by two great people, but like, if in context with each other, they almost seem hypocritical, like just because, I mean, one of them is Martin Luther King, well known for being very uh, a peaceful person. Um, and Malcolm X, who, I mean, he doesn't say in the quote that he condones it necessarily, but he's like, you know, sometimes it, violence needs to happen as self-defense. Yeah. As he self-defense. says, I, I don't, what was it? I don't, uh, advocate for violence or whatever mm-hmm. i can't remember the exact wording but it's like i don't advocate for violence but i don't not like i don't not advocate for it as self-defense yeah. and my question for you holden is i mean he he puts martin to me it's like you have martin luther king's quote yeah which is all peace no violence violence just breeds more violence and leads to more destruction and it's it's unproductive it's it's it'll just kind of derail this whole civil rights movement mm-hmm. and then i almost see malcolm x's quote as like a qualifier to that whereas mm-hmm. yeah peace is great but if peace isn't an option then violence as like a self-defense like we're yeah, not just going to turn the other cheek i and guess they're I not mean, entirely they're mo- not mutually exclusive those two quotes necessarily they are somewhat contradictory, but I think Malcolm X's is more of a qualifying. And I, and I wonder if it's purposefully that that is the last quote. And I just, yeah, I, maybe no, I just I need think... to know more about Spike Lee's personal stance. And I mean, Spike Lee's character is the one to start the, the destruction of, of Sal's pizzeria. I definitely think that it, um, I think there is the the choice for having that Malcolm X quote be second is very purposeful because if you had ended it with the Martin Luther King quote, it would have 
It would have been very clear that he's like this, it, he did not agree with the yeah. decision at the end of the movie. And it would have it, it so. would have it, it would have made the context of the of the last act just seem like he was condemning it. But I think this makes it a, a little bit more open to your own interpretation because I would guess, um, I would almost guess I don't think Spike Lee's necessarily condemning it or condoning it. I think he's kind of leaving it up to the viewer. I don't think he's maybe I don't think he's really taking a stance on it. I think he's showing like what he would think it would ha- would happen if all of this happened. And I'm not sure yeah. he's really giving a stance. And I mean he is spot on with like the whole we haven't even mentioned the weather. This movie's it's sweltering hot during the mm-hmm. day. And at the end it's like, well, it's only going to get hotter tomorrow. Yeah. And Boy, were you right. (laughs) Boy, were you right, Spike Lee. You nailed it on the head. And what's, you know, what's crazy is, you know, this came out in 89, so it's, you know, close to the 90s. This was even before, like, Rodney King. Yeah. Or anything like that. Like, and obviously, you know, there were violent protests, er, protests that got violent uh, about, you know, um, civil rights and stuff before this. But, like, that was... I. When this, I wasn't sure when this movie came out, so I was expecting it to be around that time, and I was surprised to see that this came out like five years before the Rodney King, um, that whole thing happened. Um, it's just crazy. I I don't know. They even got like the number of cops right. Yeah. There's four cops. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was that was just wild, so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just all of it, and it. Yeah, it's like, and it's just like I cannot believe that we are dealing with this thirty years later, mm-hmm. just as much as as it is in nineteen eighty nine. I uh, uh, obviously we're we're talking about this, and we're a couple of white guys talking about this stuff. We're probably not the best. Um, uh, we're we're probably not the most well informed or most experienced. Well, definitely not for both of those. Um, to you know, uh, to know about these themes, but definitely watch this movie for yourself because Spike Lee is does have a lot to say that I think you could pick up on a lot of it based on your own personal experience and knowledge. Um. I don't know. I, you know, I was, uh, I was almost hoping we'd end with that stuff. Cause I want to go over some of the more lighter stuff before it. I did like <laughs> sweet Dick Willie was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's a pretty funny guy. I, I thought the, the conversations between those three were very entertaining. There were I at least too. a couple of them. And I was just like, you know, these guys, I could just watch a whole movie of them talking with each other. And I, I loved uh, Demare trying to to kind of court uh, mother sister. I thought that yeah, was you very know he wholesome. was very sweet about it. Very nice guy. Um, the 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 scene between Mookie and his girlfriend with the ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. I just wrote down in my notes erotic ice cubes. Yeah, when I, my my uh, I rented this on Google Play, which then took me to YouTube, and that scene like it kept f- freaking out 
during the sex really? scene. Really? Which was weird. Like, it would, like, I had to refresh it, and then it would, the player got all messed up, and it took a while for me to get it. So, like, I had heard that scene, but I didn't necessarily see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I did see a, a brief glimpse at the ice cubes. Um... I think the uh, the scene I loved. I mean, uh, apart from I, I love all of it. But the scene I really liked, uh, one of the scenes I really liked, was the conversation between Sal and Pino, where they're having that conversation um, in the in the pizzeria, um, as Sal says. The pizzeria. Um, and, yeah, and Pino's. You know, he's talking. He's pretty much just coming out to his his dad about how racist he is, mm-hmm. um, and that scene it's from a filmmaking standpoint it's very excellent in camera work but also just like the music i love the music in that scene because it starts out just like it's a jazz tune essentially that's being played in the background it starts out you know it's very it has like a nice sax solo i believe is what it is it's very quiet you know very nice very it's i mean it's nice but it's all the same song but as the scene escalates to the point where Pino goes outside and attacks the uh I don't know what is what was the character's name? I oh man, I forget. Anyway, goes out and attacks him and then Sal goes out and tries to intervene. Like that by that point the music is like chaotic. It's very much like you have all these instruments playing and clashing with each other much like the characters and it's I just loved it and it's all done in one take too. At least as far as I know, unless they have some very clever editing in there. Um, it's just, it's real good. And seeing Sal, like, just not, not dealing with his son's stuff, like, shit. Like, he's so, he's so tired of him. And then even when Pino goes out and attacks the guy, he's just sitting in there like, how the f*** is this guy my son? Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god. Um... And so I thought that scene was really excellent. I actually, because I watched it in two sittings because I got really tired after the first half. I had to go to bed. And I actually, I quit right after that scene. And when I came back the second time, I watched that scene again. That was a good catch hold, and I didn't catch up on that. But yeah. that was an excellent scene. I was just so, <laughs> um, I was just so taken by the dialogue. that I guess Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even notice the other filmmaking aspects, which is, which is, I mean, is a testament to how good the dialogue is because I'm usually always looking for that production stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Th- I really loved the monologue that um, Radio Rahim had about <laughs> love and hate. I thought that was great and that it's little now, analogy. Yeah, and that's now a, a cliche, not cliche, but it, <laughs> that's where that whole thing started. Kind of having the names for both hands, oh, yeah. both fists, parodied in a lot of different things now. But yeah, it's a good monologue. Um, I have here <laughs> in all caps because this is the moment where I realized who Gus was. I was like, Gus is the guy who got his sneakers scuffed. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Um, I liked it may have been the first scene after the after the opening credits. I really liked Samuel L. Jackson in the radio station and like the reflections. Say- the reflections in his sunglasses and i love how you can just kind of see him in the background in certain shots yeah (laughs) he's reacting he's such a good like i mean one of the i guess 
upsides to this being before he was big. It's like now we know him, but like he's such he's this really great background presence. Yeah. Um, you got anything else, Holden? I this has been a no. great discussion, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I I mentioned it before, but like obviously there is a big tonal shift in the movie and it is pretty much when uh once I would it argue happen, I mean, it happens so quickly too. Yeah. It's it's very jarring, but I think very appropriate to the uh, to the movie. Um, and it's pretty much just when Radio Rahim and uh, bugged out, you know, they they go in and they start doing their uh, boycott or whatever argument with Sal. Um, but yeah, I think that tonal shift is so because uh, I was like, you know, I was laughing at parts earlier in the movie, and then it gets to that point, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I loved there. There was a quote that I mean, I think is I don't even know if it was supposed to be like the standout quote, but um, it was after the I don't know if it's after the riots had subsided, but it was one of the three guys who we'd seen having conversations earlier. And it was just it's as plain as day. They didn't have to kill the boy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good quote. Yeah. Um, Why do you think this movie is called Do the Right Thing, Holden? trying to unpack this myself yeah you know i almost wonder if that's a part of what we were talking about with maybe um spike lee leaving up the violence to one's own interpretation and him maybe not giving one side his support necessarily or or uh, you know because maybe do the right thing involves I'm I'm sure do the right thing involves a lot, but do the right thing in the case of this, maybe if you, if you believe peaceful protesting to be the right thing, do it. If you believe violence to be the right thing, do it, I guess. I don't know. That's what I was kind of thinking. I don't know. I'd have to look, look more into what Spike Lee has to say, but I think it might have multiple layers. My dog Mm -hmm. is like barking at me. He wants to get into the room. (laughs) But uh, hold on, are we? Are you have anything else to add, or should we wrap no. this up? Go into what are you doing? I think that's it. Let's go right. on. Holden, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ladies and gentlemen, Benny, Benny Youthies joining the podcast. He's jumped in. Barks hello to everybody. Thir- at 13 years old, he's still kicking it. <laughs> he's good a good boy. boy. Yeah. Gotta love the good boys. And good girls. All, dog- all dogs are good boys. B-O-I-S. All, all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, they do. <laughs> all dogs go to heaven, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a movie, apparently. I just saw it while surfing. Uh, the streamings. Anyway. All right, Olden. What have you been up to this week, huh? Um, let's see. Uh, in terms of movies, I didn't. I mean, this has been a shorter gap in between most of our episodes, especially lately, because wow, we're actually doing an episode a week here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, this is even like six days because last time we did month, we recorded on Monday. We're recording on Sunday now. Yeah. Um, when we we when we actually said we were going to record. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the only really movie that I've watched. 
uh, aside from the two um, we talked about, was I watched Bad Education. Oh, how was HBO. that? It was really good, Jimmy. And that uh, guy's directing what? What was it we said? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, I oh god, I'll click. Uh, uh, the Wolfman. Oh yeah, That's I think he's doing the Wolfman. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, and he so he had also previously directed Thoroughbreds. I don't know if you'd heard of that. Nope. Um, that was supposed to be good, but I never saw it. Um. Anyway, Bad Education though it was pretty great. Like, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like what it's about, I can't without spoiling it obviously it's it's basically about like the Hugh Jackman plays the superintendent of this school um he's very well liked very well loved very popular guy um and the school reporter kind of starts uncovering things behind the scenes that look kind of questionable and a little odd um, and things just kind of seem to start seeming out of place. And I, it's based off of true events. Like, I think they're all by name too. Like these are actual people that are being played and I wouldn't recommend reading the article. I think it's, it's based off of a New York magazine or New Yorker. I can't remember. It's based off of one of the, uh, uh, article from one of those. And I wouldn't recommend reading it before seeing the movie, obviously, cause you'll figure out what all happens, but it's a very good article. A very good movie. It's got a great cast. Hugh Jackman, obviously. And I think Hugh Jackman gives one of his best, if not his best performance in this movie, because it just has so many. He's so confusing, but also transparent. And I, you'll understand it if you watch it. It's a movie you can watch on HBO. Um, it's So if you have HBO, go ahead. I mean, it is an HBO ex- movie, so it's exclusive to that service and probably HBO Max as well. Um but it's pretty incredible. I liked it a lot. Um, besides that, I've been playing a lot more VR because I had kind of been off of it for a while. Um, I'm playing that again. Various games I'd talked about before. Uh, Logan got The Climb. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have heard of it. Yeah. I haven't played that yet, um, but I'm excited to try that because that looks really cool. And Logan says it's fun. Um... I beat Yakuza Kiwami after like 65 to 70 hours over the past three weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I didn't really have much to do. So, I mean, it was, I got kind of addicted to it and that's what I played. And so I'm done with that. Um, I started playing Yakuza Zero. I'm going a little bit slower in that. I probably should have taken a gap in between the games because they are, sim- they're, they're very, they're quite a bit different, but they're also similar because they are in the same series. So I probably should have taken a bit of a gap. But I'll finish that. And I started playing Battlefront 2 because that's free. Oh, yeah. PS Plus. I started. I, I play. I'm playing the campaign against your bad. against your. <laughs> I do not. OK, I think the story is bad, but I do not think I think it's fun. I think it's fine. Like gameplay wise. I'm like, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty repetitive as you go on. In my okay. opinion, I'm not I'm not super far in it. So maybe I'll find that. I don't know. It's it's whatever. it looks I'm, good. Very good. Yeah, graphics. it does. And it's running at like close to 60, if not 60, on just a regular PS4. Yeah, say what you want about Battlefront, man, but it's a pretty game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm very impressed. And I'm hoping I'll start playing that online more soon. Once Should I get we my squad up, up, Holden? Yeah, let's squad up, Jimmy. I used to be, you know, I used to have like a 2-1 to KD on that game, which we is could, 
remarkable for me on any sort of multiplayer shooter. I have other people who would be willing to join us. Eiler Merkel. Eiler Merkel would. Ooh. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Pretty slow week. I mean, I guess I might have coronavirus and I... Less than a week, or I guess a little over a week ago, I was in a car accident. So great, <laughs> great week for me, huh? <laughs> yeah. Great times um, for Holden. Yeah. The only thing I really have done, Holden, is I've continued to play through The Last of Us about 80% of the way through, I think, if I remember okay. correctly. I'm at the winter section, which is my favorite part of the game, Um, with Nolan North a.k.a. Nathan Drake playing a weird cult cannibal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that 80% through? I think so. I think there's only one more stop after that. Salt Lake City. Hmm. But um, if it's if it's not if it's not that quite that far, hey, more Last of Us for me. Yeah, Um, of course, that game comes out in less than two weeks now. Fewer than two weeks, I guess. Um. And then I finished season two of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. We start in season three pretty soon here, probably tomorrow. Nice. Um, I did like season two. I definitely did like season one better, though. I thought the script was a little tighter. I did not hate that episode, uh, The Lost Sister or whatever you call it. I didn't hate it either, but I I was worried you would. (laughs) That's why why I recommended maybe. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't add a ton for me but i didn't i didn't think it was terrible i just thought yeah like you said i think you could have clipped that whole storyline and not it was lost just a lot yeah no like the biggest problem for me is just like the episode before has this huge cliffhanger and then and i didn't realize yeah. that until i watched through it a second time and i was like wow this it kind of kills the pacing but yeah it is what it is. Not as much as that Terrence and Philip episode of South Park. <laughs> I hated that a lot more. <laughs> uh, season er, season three, people like more than two. I might like it more than one. I don't my, know. My season brother likes pretty, season three the best. It's pretty good. Get so, excited for that. Um, yeah, so I'll be watching that. I don't know if I'll have it done by the next time we do this podcast. Probably not, but I'll be getting close. Nice. Holden. Um, I think episode four is my favorite. I don't know. All right. Well, I'll look forward to it. Might be four. Yeah, so that's basically all I've been doing this last six days. Like you said, (laughs) we're actually doing an episode a week now. Yeah. Like real podcasters. Thank goodness. <laughs> Hopefully you've been getting some entertainment out of it. We've been doing oh. longer and longer episodes, it seems. And yeah. then what are we doing next week? Um, We are going... So, The Five Bloods, uh, the new Spike Lee, jo- Spike Lee joint, is coming out on Friday on Netflix. So be sure to check that out. We'll be reviewing that. Uh, very. I didn't even know it was a week apart from when we were doing Do the Right Thing. So that's even better um, that we did it now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so to five bloods and then we'll also do the listener request, uh, the room, very, very famous cult. So bad. It's good movie, which you can access on YouTube, I believe. Right. Yes. The link, the same link that I used to use is not available, but last time I watched it, it had, there was another one. So 
search for a free version on YouTube because it is also very hard to watch if you can't if you can't do that. It's not like I don't think you can rent it on most streaming services. Interesting. So yeah, um, do that. Um, give us more requests, please. We only have like one or two more. So it, give us another one. Uh, maybe we'll even accept doubles. I don't know. Oh. Just nope. We'll see. <laughs> uh anyway uh just uh leave us a nice review uh support us on patreon if you want although prioritize those donations to those other links we have please um if you if you feel inclined but we recommend um and do 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 uh facebook i didn't post for the last couple weeks i apologize for that i will post this week um yeah I don't know. I'll have a lot of time now that my internship that I just started this last week, I won't be able to do now. <laughs> I thank, you, started, thank you for being responsible, Holden. I literally, yeah, I literally started my internship at the Nebraska Lottery on Wednesday, and I was having a good time learning about stuff and doing and just learning the, learning the ropes there. And now I will likely be out of there for two weeks because <laughs> I probably have COVID, so absolutely fantastic or yeah or you're just you're being responsible holden we appreciate it oh thank you uh get working on that half-life review yeah (laughs) maybe i'll actually get it done before i go back to work and actually that's very possible now yeah and i will mentally prepare myself further for the last of us part two to come out yes in the meantime though adios pantalones love you That's Nightly News for this Wednesday night. I'm Tom Brokaw, and I'll see you along the way.